You're listening to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast by Christadelphianvideo.org for Christadelphians and all those seeking the truth about the Bible message. Join us now as we present our latest episode. Eureka by John Thomas, Volume 1 Chapter 1, Section 2, Part 5, Symbolization of Deity in Spirit. Now, this apocalypse of the sons of the deity is represented in the apocalypse by different remarkable symbols. The first is that described in chapter 1, verses 13 to 16, and styled Son of Man. This does not represent an individual man. It represents many in one. What John saw among the light stems was a similitude or likeness, homoion weoanthropon, like to a son of man. The voice John heard proclaimed the reality of this likeness to be the last the Spirit in the last manifestation, the one Yahweh in many Elohim. In the time of manifestation, it is the Living One, which anterior to Apocalypse was dead, but being apocalypsed, is living for the aeons of the aeons, and as the first before this Apocalypse, and limited to Jesus' anointed, had the keys of the invisible and of death. Chapter 1, verse 18. This apocalyptic plurality in victorious progress was obscurely communicated to Isaiah in the following testimonies. Who raised up righteousness from the east, the kings from a son's risings, the saints, called him, that which is indicated by the symbol before us, to his foot, gave the nations before him, and made rule over kings. Apocalypse 2, verses 26 and 27. He gave them as dust to his sword, and as driven stubble to his bow. Ephraim and Judah. Zechariah 9, verse 13 and 10, verses 3 and 4. He, the symbolical son of man, pursued them, and passed by in peace, by the way he had not gone with his feet. Who hath wrought and done this, naming the generations from the beginning at the bush? To which inquiries the Eternal Spirit answers, Ani Yahweh, I who will be, Rishon, the first one, and Et Acharonim, the last ones, Ani who, I he. The nations saw and feared. The ends of the earth were afraid, drew near and came. They helped everyone his neighbour, and said to his brother, Be of good courage. Isaiah 41, verses 2 to 6. In this passage, the last is in the plural. But in Isaiah 44, verse 6, It is used in the singular, according to the formula, 
Thus saith Yahweh, King of Israel, and his, Israel's, Redeemer, Yahweh Tzveoth, or he who will be of hosts, that is, commander of them. Chapter 55, verse 4. I the first one, and I the last one, and without me no Elohim. And who as I shall proclaim and declare it, and set in order for me, since I appointed the people of Olam, and the things that are coming, and shall come, let them show unto them. The last ones of the 41st chapter are comprised in the last one of the 44th, which, though expressed in the singular, clearly indicates a plurality by its association with the sentence, and without me no Elohim. Without the Spirit which quickeneth, there will be no glorified saints, for the flesh profits nothing. They are the people of Olam, destined to reign with the Christ a thousand years. Apocalypse 20 verse 6 And here the reader is requested to bear in mind that the titles and expressions by which the eternal power designates himself in the scriptures of the prophets are all reproduced in the New Testament and the Apocalypse, and therein applied to Jesus and his brethren, when perfected in spirit, or glorified together. Romans 8 verse 17 Thus, the prophetic Yahweh Elohim styles himself the first and the last. So doth the symbolical Son of Man. Yahweh says he is the only rock. Paul, speaking of the rock, terms it Christ. Yahweh styles himself King of Israel. Christ Jesus calls himself the same. Yahweh declares that he is a saviour and that there is none beside him. The word made flesh was called Jesus because he should save his people or be their saviour. I, I, Yahweh, and there is no saviour beside me. Isaiah 43 verse 11 John saw the Son of Man, similitude, in the midst of the seven lightstands, or aggregate of ecclesias, and heard the voice of the many waters from their midst, as indicative of the source from whence the persons constituting the reality symbolised by the similitude are derived. The promises symbolised in chapter 2, verses 7, 11, 17, and 26 to 28, chapter 3, verses 5, 12, and 21, are all made to the constituent members of this similitude of the mystical Son of Man, the one body, the church when victory is complete. Another vision of the sons of the deity in Apocalypse is described in the fourth chapter of the Revelation. When John was in spirit, he saw the similitude of their manifestation when they shall be in spirit on the day of the Christ. He saw them enthroned as the twenty-four elders, clothed in white raiment and crowned. Chapter 4, verse 4. He saw them enthroned in a stormy period, 
when lightnings and thunderings and voices were issuing forth from their enthroned omnipotence. Chapter 4, verse 5. He saw the going forth of their power into all the earth in the burning of the seven spirits. Verse 5 and chapter 5, verse 6. Which seven, symbolical of the one spirit, in judicial exercise upon the dominions of the world, he saw in the similitude of the four living ones, omnipotent and omniscient, the one spirit manifested in the redeemed, careering in victorious conflict, and proclaiming the superlative holiness of Yahweh Elohim Almighty, the who was, and who is, and who is coming. Verses 7 and 8. He saw these in progress through the earth, contending for dominion over it, with the full assurance that they would succeed. We shall reign, say they, on the earth. Chapter 5, verse 10. John also beheld the sons of the deity in Apocalypse, in the mighty angel of chapter 10, verse 1. This comes down out of the heaven, invested with a cloud, and a rainbow upon his head, and his face as it were the sun, and his feet as pillars of fire. His lion roar proclaims the consummation of the mystery of the deity as he hath declared the glad tidings to his servants, the prophets. Verse 7. Which accomplishment ultimates in the constituents of this mighty angel taking possession of the kingdom under the whole heaven, and the consequent establishment of the reign of Yahweh and of his Elohim for the aeons of the aeons. This is the result of the seventh and last trumpet, having exhausted the judgment pertaining to it. The consummation of this trumpet, which is also the consummation of the seventh seal, is the work of the mighty angel, symbolizing the heaven-descended Jesus and his brethren, the saints. The seventh vial is the work allotted for them to do, and in their mission they march to victory with face as the sun and feet as pillars of fire. Again they appear upon the apocalyptic page in chapter 14 verse 1. Here they are the sealed nation of chapter 7 verses 4 to 12, resurrected with the Lamb, Jesus, in their midst. Their symbolical number, a definite for an unknown, chapter 7 verse 9, is 144,000. In this vision they are stationary, as indicated by stood, in reference to the Lamb with whom they are. They are standing, awaiting the result of the proclamation, which announces to the nations that the hour of judgment is come. Chapter 14, verses 6 and 7. They wait the issue of this before they go forth, as the seven spirits in all the earth, to overthrow Babylon and to torment the worshippers of the beast and his image. Chapter 14, verses 8 to 11. In chapter 15, verse 2, the sons of the deity are again apocalypsed. Here, they are in the attitude of victory and blessedness. They are in joyous repose, standing upon a translucent sea, having the harps of the deity. 
This sea of nations had been mingled with fire, but they had gotten the victory over the beast and his image, and over his mark and number, which as dross had all been destroyed from the sea by the fire of their indignation and power. And they are seen here in rest from their labours, and their works following them. This scene is the consummation of the seventh vial, in which it can be said, Thy judgments are made manifest. Chapter 15, verse 4. In getting the victory over the beast, they are apocalypsed in the vision portrayed in chapter 19, verses 11 to 21. Here, the sons of the deity appear in military array, in clouds of cavalry, styled the hosts in the heaven, following the word of the deity in his campaigns against the nations, which he smites and conquers in treading the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of the all-powerful deity. They tread them as ashes under the soles of their feet, and bind and shut up the dragon in powerlessness for a thousand years. Having obtained this great victory over the kingdoms and dominions of the world, they are manifested as the occupants of thrones, peculiarly their own, which continue undisturbed for a thousand years. Their victory inaugurates the universal dominion foreshadowed in the fifth chapter, from verse 12 to 14. Peace being thus conquered by their omnipotence, the spirit is quieted, and the earth is at rest. The Gentile earth and heaven have fled away from before them. With the captain of their salvation, they are enthroned as the kings of the earth, and as a divine municipality, possess the glory and honour of the nations. Chapter 21, verse 26. In this relation they are apocalypsed as the new Jerusalem, the city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is the deity, looked for, but not yet seen, by the patriarchs and prophets of the olden time. Hebrews 11, verse 10, and Apocalypse 21, verses 9 to 27. For a thousand years, this beloved city is the light of the nations, which are then all blessed in Abraham and his seed, according to the gospel of the kingdom. It is the Yahweh Elohistic municipality, symbolized by 144 cubits, each cubit representing 1,000 of the numerical symbol of this holy nation, the Israel of the deity. Chapter 7, verse 4, chapter 14, verse 1, 1 Peter 2, verse 9, and Galatians 6, verse 16. But at the ending of these thousand years, during which they have been an arboretum of healing influences to the nations, the base ingratitude, malice, and envy of human nature find scope to organise rebellion against the saints and their government. Their camp is beleaguered by countless myriads which gather together against them for war. But the sons of the deity are as powerful at the end 
as at the beginning of the thousand years. Peace and blessedness will not have enervated their incorruptible nature, and they will be prepared to give the rebels a crushing and final overthrow. As the woman's seed, their mission is to bruise the serpent's head. Genesis 3 verse 15 The war begun, their burning indignation overflows them as a consuming fire in which they are tormented day and night to the end of a thousand years. Chapter 20 verse 10 Thus fire comes down from the deity out of the heaven and devours them. This establishes the end when the kingdom is delivered up to the Father who will then have put all enemies under the Son's feet. At this crisis, death is banished from the earth, the wicked utterly destroyed out of it, and the deity apocalypsed or manifested in his sons, considerably augmented in number by the accessions of the thousand years, becomes the sole occupant and inheritor of the earth. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 24, Proverbs 10 verse 30, and Apocalypse 21 verses 3 and 4. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found the episode helpful. Don't forget, most of these episodes are also available as videos on our video channel, cdvideo.org. So head over and take a look. If you have any comments or questions or suggestions, please get in touch or leave us a voice message. We love to hear your feedback. You can email us at bt f at cdvideo.org If you enjoyed the episode, then please share it with others. Until next time, may God bless you in your studies and your walk towards God's kingdom. Amen. Amen.